tinfoil hat. Oh, what the fuck are you guys even talking about? Global controls will have to be imposed. And a world governing body will be created to enforce them. Welcome to Tinfoil Hat. We, we, we go deep, homeboy. Eric, open your mind. Drink from the fountain of knowledge. There's lizard people everywhere. That's some interdimensional shit. Wake up, Aaron. This is only the beginning. Dude, you just blew my mind. Good morning, Swarm, and welcome to Tim Fall Hat. You know I am. You know I'm here to do. I'm here to rock. Join me as always, Xavier Guerrero and Jay Nice, Johnny Woodard. Guys, how is it? Oh, it's a good one. It's a good one today. We get into it with the shredded Jeffrey Drum. He sure is. Dude, he's shredded yoked. guy. Yoked. Look at that guy. Two big arms. Bam. He get breaks down. What? The pyramids may actually been about. I think it's a very important conversation, and I think you guys will enjoy it. If you love science, you love chemistry, like Johnny, you'll get a nerd boner during this. I can tell you what show. it ain't. It ain't bat shit. I can tell you that. Yeah, no, it ain't bat. <laughs> Johnny rock hard this whole episode, guys. Who was I, dude? Yeah. Got a little You'll enjoy it. Guys, real quick, we're going to turn and burn this intro. Uh, I want you to come see me live August 5th and 6th with Xavier Guerrero, Eddie Bravo, at the Cobbs Comedy Show. Listen, listen to me, San Francisco. It's time to fight for the soul of your city. Come get weird with us. Buy your tickets now. Don't wait to buy tickets. Buy your tickets now. If you guys will notice, dude, this is how little respect we get, okay? The club hasn't even listed our show. No. At the, the yeah, they list every other act coming up but ours. I had getting a lot of questions about the mask thing and the vax thing. Nope, uh, nope. Just come rock. Nope. This is as far as I know, they're not checking. We'll see. We'll see. We'll see. Come get weird. Grab your tickets. Let's go hard in the paint. All right. I just can't believe. Like, if you go to the front page, right? Go to the front page. You'll see that that thing spinning. Oh, it's not on there. I'm trying to get to the front page. Yeah, it won't go. That's horrible. So go samtriple.com, grab your tickets now. Uh, that thing, like we're not in it. Small town murder is before us, after uh, us. They don't even list us. They don't even list us. And I love small town murder. But look, they list everybody but us. Wow. So let's, come on, Swarm. Look at this. Show up and show them we don't need, Why we don't don't need we? this shit. We don't need this shit. I don't know, Hold man. Up. I'm getting really over and playing these legacy clubs, dude. I'm yeah, being these are in September. They're promoting something in fucking September. Oh, yeah, but Dave Arnold, I love him, dude. It's so, I love them all. October. I love October. all of them. I love them. Ah, oh, dear, my birthday. Nick Swartzen's there. The point is this. We've come to shred, bro. Come get weird. This could probably be one of the last times you see me in these major clubs because I'm going to go do my own shit. But come, come join me now. Small Town Murder is great. Go to samtriplee.com. Grab those tickets. Uh, and then, yeah. Uh, August 10th. As far as right now, Comedy Chaos will be back August 10th. There is a battle right now in L.A. to push back against the mask mandates. People are starting to get pissed. And I drive by. Hey, guys, if you're listening to me and you're in California... When you drive by a COVID testing place and you see people in line, roll down your window and yell, stop getting tested. You're going to fuck everything 
Yep. That's what I do, man. Stop getting tested. Dude, I get an Uber if the guy's got a mask. One star. I don't give a fuck. Sorry. Oh, dude, look at this it, guy. it could be the best ride of my life. I don't give a fuck. You got a no mask No more nope. mask. Stop getting tested, man. You're just going to give them an excuse to lock us down for no reason outside of that they're going to try to rig the midterms. That's really what this is all about. Guys, if you want to look for some premium content, we got a ton of it, everybody. You just go to rockfin.com. Go to rockfin.com or to samtriply.com. Click any of the banners. Tim Fall Hat Premium. We got Only Conspiracies AMAs. Zero, my spiritual podcast has been fire. Fire. Okay, go check it out. And then one of the, the number one debate show between the binary men, Conspiracy <laughs> Social Club, is great. T-shirts are a great way to support the show. Go to t-shirts.com. Conspiracy social. Go down. Yeah, go back real quick. My cameos are fire. I will yell at you for three minutes. Yo, I will, yo. I will yell about lizard people for three minutes. Also, buy gold and silver at Wise Wolf. Uh, I'm j- and I'm going to get up there hopefully very soon. Uh, local meat department where you can get your meat from. Uh, Tim Fall Hat. Telegram. Go up, dude. Tim Fall Hat Telegram and uh, Zero Telegram have been fired. Join the army there. And then finally, we have so many free shows audio for you. Tim Fall Hat, Broken Sim is the the Grand Theft Auto of podcasts, okay? I go out. I experience danger daily for your amusement. Uh, Cash Daddies, Punch Drunk Sports, Union the Unwanted, going to record one of those today. Uh, is the most important conversation on the internet. And then uh, I give you some old episodes from my premium content. Um, c- uh, go, go up, bro. Conspiracy Social Clubs. You're, you're, really, on, you're <laughs> really in a hurry here. Conspiracy Social Club and Zero are uh, old things. I also forgot about the premium content that is Cash Daddies. Uh, we, it's on Patreon. Just put in Cash Daddies, and you can get that Patreon which uh, Howie's homies for twenty dollars a month, you get Johnny. Talk about I Howie's. Made, I made seventy percent on my investment last week. It was like, guys, I mean, he kills it. He's amazing. Seventy. And I'm not even joking. Like, I mean, I I keep waiting for him to fail, but it never happens. Seventy percent. That is not twenty that is bucks. Not, that is not a guarantee of service. That is not a guarantee of service. Investing at, at your own risk. Uh, who knows? But Howie's been crushing it. Is it is amazing. Yeah. And uh, I think you all should try it, and that's that. And uh, yeah, we're, we got some plans for the future. Of we that got Patreon some plans too, huh? for the show. If you're looking for a 24 hour radio station because you can't stand all the dog shit, uh, Sam Tripoli Radio. All my po- uh, most of my podcasts you can listen to 24 hours a day. All and if right. If you want to help us out, go to YouTube.com/slash Sam Tripoli and just watch Broken Sam on there. Uh, we're trying to fight the algorithm, and they are really giving it to us. They're uh, giving the it to side. us yeah. hard in our And buttocks. we'll have a new Broken Sim uh, tomorrow, or the, I think actually the next day after that. We'll Wednesday. Wednesday. Yeah, it comes how, out Wednesday. How was it? Oh, oh it's good. Dude, yeah, I'm, you I'm look like, good right there, Sam. It. I know. Johnny made me shredded. Look at that. Yeah, so I love some guys like, oh, Sam just become a giant meme now. I'm like, what? what are you yelling at? What are you yelling at? Are you yelling at anything? All right. Well, who who also these people who put in their negative opinions? Like, who's that for? You know what I mean? Is that for you? Or are you going to change? Your I know whole you're life going through. Oh, look at young Sam right there. Look how thin I was right there. Is that you doing the wheelchair bit? Uh, ah, yeah, that might be it. Yeah, yeah, it is. Yeah, yeah, handicapped stripper. 
That oh, is, no, no, no. That's buying a handicapped person for parking. I don't even remember that bit. Really? You don't <laughs> yeah. remember? That's I awesome. there's so many bits I don't remember. Uh, I hope you guys are, I hope you guys enjoy this episode. It's a crusher. Enjoy it. Take care. Go deep, homeboy. Open your mind. Okay, let's get into it. Very excited to have this next guest on. Uh, he appeared on my Rockfin exclusive uh, premium content, and I'm glad we could finally get him on the big show. This guy's got a lot to talk about, and uh, I'm very excited to have him on. It's one of my favorite topics. And uh, so please welcome to the show author Jeffrey Drum. How are you, bud? Thank you so much. I'm doing very well, and I appreciate you having me back on the big show finally, moving on up the ranks. Look who's all grown up now. Um, very excited to have you on, Jeffrey. You were nice enough to uh, invite me on uh, a journey with you. I, I haven't been able to take you up on that yet because, you know, my, my kids are two and a half. I, I can't really leave right now, but uh, I appreciate that. And someday, I, I think everybody on the show would love to go see the pyramids at some point right oh we, dude, absolutely man, dreams yeah. goals yeah i mean you might be the first mexican to see <laughs> well will they let you back in the country now? yeah that's a problem <laughs> bro they might, they might put me to start building a little yeah bit they might it. be hey dude yeah do you think they have a home depot right outside the pyramids where people like, hey let me help you I'll help you carry stuff that's how they built them. That's how they built them. <laughs> oh, yeah, dude, through Mexican labor. That's how they built. They start digging deep enough, and they finally find a bunch of flaming Hot Cheetos wrappers. Yeah, yeah, know. for oh, sure. There's a, there's a food truck outside. <laughs> yeah, yeah. You're like, how is this passing health of requirements? Don't worry about it, dog. Do you want a bacon-wrapped hot dog or what? <laughs> um, so, so uh, Jeffrey, thanks for coming on, dude. Uh, I, I enjoyed our last conversation very much. I'm glad Mark yeah, finally got you on to it. For those who may not be familiar with your appearance on my uh, premium content show or uh, your book or anything, could you tell us a little bit about yourself and where our listeners can find you? Yeah, so long story short, my name is Jeff Drum. I am the author of a book called The Land of Chem, an initiation into ancient chemistry through the degrees of the Egyptian pyramids. And that's The Land of Chem, C-H-E-M. Follow me on Instagram. I also have a YouTube channel with, I think, 43 episodes now on my YouTube channel, The Land of Chem, C-H-E-M. And long story short, I wrote a book about the function of the Egyptian pyramids as related to the production of chemicals on an industrial scale. So each one of the pyramids was producing a different chemical on a large scale that was being utilized by this ancient civilization. Uh, why are you so passionate about this? It's, it's a wonderful story, but why, <laughs> why have you gone so deep and, and, and just focused on this part? Or are there other things you like to focus on as well, but this is just something that you get, get more traction on? Because I mean, it's a wonderful topic. I'm not trying to say anything. I just, it's like you're so passionate about what what got you in to the pyramids and the, and all that stuff. Oh man, that's an awesome question. So I mean, I think that's everybody I that got interested in the Egyptian pyramids in <laughs> Egypt probably watched Raiders of the Lost Ark when they were in the you know mid '80s or so, and I absolutely fell in love with Egypt and the the possibility of one day going there. And long story short, I went through some tumultuous life changes in 2017. And I was actively researching the connections between the function or the proposed function of the Egyptian pyramids and the production of electricity. So I was looking into all these sort of alternative theories that 
claim that the Great Pyramid is producing electricity. Well, my biggest gripe with all of those theories is that they focus on just the Great Pyramid, as if there were no other pyramids in Egypt, and that's the only one that anybody proposes a function for. So the Great Pyramid produces electricity. Well, that's great. Well, what are all the rest of the pyramids doing? So long story short, in 2017, I take my first trip to Egypt, start investigating the pyramids, and as I began to research the structures, I began to be pointed more in the direction of chemistry as opposed to electricity or anything like that. And we know that the dynastic Egyptian civilization is the birthplace of chemistry and everything in the universe is chemistry. We would, I wouldn't have this t-shirt, you know, I wouldn't have any of this material, all of the chemicals and industrial processes that we have today. It's all based on chemistry. And it's just something that I was always fascinated with when I was a kid. And long story short, this theory gave me the ability to tie in my interest with the Egyptian pyramids, with my fascination with chemistry and Long story short, here we are five years later after I wrote the book, and uh, things are finally starting to move forward. Well, that's great, and I'm super happy for you. You're an American success story, and that's wonderful. Um, It's very interesting. Slowly but surely. No, no, no. You're doing it, dude. You're doing it, bro, and you're jacked. Look at that, bro. What, who are you, Wolverine, dude? Why there is one? What, do you look like a pro bowler? You look like you have one <laughs> giant arm. Do you have a Popeye arm and just a regular tatted-up arm? Look at that, right? Doesn't it look like yeah. he's just like the one arm just used to destroy? Yeah. His right one. It's his, it's <laughs> his right one. It's big. his right yeah, one. What's that? I said they're both pretty big. Yeah, dude, you're <laughs> shredded, bro. God, I appreciate that. I did some. Um, I was a personal trainer for many, many years in my younger days, and I did some some you could quote unquote bodybuilding competitions when I was in my early twenties. And um, yeah, so I've always been in the fitness industry. I'm still very active in the gym, and I just I love training, but it's not so much a an active undertaking anymore. I love working out. I got some announcement. I ran farther than I ever ran. The other night, I was so excited. Who was chasing What's that me? number? What's Nobody, dude. Like, what I do is I run around Hollywood Boulevard, I, and I do this giant lap, and I went ran farther than I've ever. I like usually because I'd be like, oh, but now I've been training and and I've been working my legs, man. And I actually ran. I go. could not believe how far I ran. I was like, that's on that sidewalk too. Never, dude, never well. skip leg day. Never, uh, dude. I don't. I do. I do leg. I gotta do it more. But did you back, track it though? Did you know how like how much distance like no, mileage no, no. was? No, I'll tell oh. you uh, went off here how, exactly where I ran, how far it was. It may not be a lot to some, but I never got there that far, that even close to that. But the point going back is that um, I'm going to say something. How many pyramids do you think there are in Egypt? Park. Honestly, just I know there's a good don't amount. Think about no, it. I know, just what I, do you I know think there's a good is? amount, so I'm going to shoot like fifty, and that's 50? there's probably way more than that. Yeah. I mean, like I honestly ones, thought like it was ones. these three. Yeah. When I, when I go, right. hey man. There's three. How many no. pyramids? Three. I well, never everybody even thought thinks that there it's was... just the three on the Giza plateau. Yeah, so it's like a lot. There's more, a whole right? lot more than that. <laughs> how many do you think there are? So total, it would be hard to say, just because of the extremely deteriorated condition of that, and a lot of this stuff is still buried under the sand in the middle of Sahara. But my book covers the first six major pyramids. And there's at least three out in a place called the Lahoon Oasis. You have the Pyramid of Maidum, the Pyramid of Hawara, and the Pyramid of, uh, uh, it skips my, my head at the moment. There's, they're all over the place. I'd say there's probably at least 50 all across the western Damn. bank of the Nile River total. So, so there's a lot more than people think. So they say there's... 118? That sounds about right. Probably total. 
Yeah. Yeah, in Egypt. Yeah, Egyptian pyramids, 119. But now that that being said, some of those are much, much smaller than the major pyramids. So like the Great Pyramid and the Pyramids of Giza vastly surpass any of the smaller pyramids that were built much, much later. So there's a big difference between the structures that were built by the dynastic Egyptians, which are still kind of in the same area, but they don't even compare. So, for example, the Giza Plateau. You have the Great Pyramid, the Central Pyramid, and the Third Pyramid. But then there's three smaller pyramids that flank the Great Pyramid, and those aren't even comparable to what is inside of the Great Pyramid. It's it's very much a burial structure, whereas these other things, um, there's a whole lot going on in terms of the internal components that would be indicative of an industrial manufacturing process as opposed to simply a burial. You can really easily tell the difference between the two. Okay, so... Now, now you've mentioned something that I thought a lot of people were starting to do, debunk, which was that these are burial uh, um, architecture buildings, right. right? I thought it was that you know we were getting more into the lines of that something else was going on here, and that the story of bar- uh, you know pharaohs being buried here wasn't true, and that they've never actually found pharaohs at these these pyramids. Is that off? I mean, or are you going saying? That they were burial places. So for the most part, that is true. No, no burials have been found inside any of the major pyramids. So the Red Pyramid, the Bent Pyramid, and the three pyramids at Giza, no burials were ever found inside of those structures. No pharaonic burials. But the Step Pyramid of Saqqara, there are some burials that have been found in and around that structure. However, they are not pharaonic burials. And they're what what is called in archaeology an intrusive burial, where a civilization came along later, they dug into the structure, they buried some stuff there, but that's not necessarily the original purpose of the structure. Um, So there have been some burials found in and around these structures, but there's never been an actual pharaonic body discovered in any of the major pyramids. So I can say that for sure. And I don't think they are burials, period. Um, I've done an episode on my channel, The Fallacies of the Pharaonic Burial Hypothesis. And one of the things, like we'll get to it here in a minute, the Red Pyramid of Dashur, right? So my question is, how are you getting the bodies down in there? So the entrance to these structures is, you know, 33 meters off the, the floor of the ground. So you would have to build a scaffolding system to be able to access the opening to this thing. Not to mention, how are you sliding the sarcophagus down into that tiny little hole? How are you getting all the other burial accoutrement down into the structure? They are not meant for people to access. And when you compare the configuration of the pyramids to actual burials, the burials are, you know, the opening to this thing is 10 feet high and it's super wide so that they could bring the burial procession into the structure. You have the sarcophagus, you have all this other burial crap that you're going to put in the hole with the the body, but it's pretty much impossible to do that in any of the major pyramids. Not to mention the Great Pyramid, if you go into the main opening, it doesn't even take you into the burial. It takes you into the subterranean chamber, and there's no way to get from that subterranean chamber into the actual burial. So how did they get the bodies in there? It was impossible. So let me ask you something. This might be a touchy subject, but I love the, it. The whole idea is that the pyramids were built by slaves, right? That's that's what we were told, right? Okay. Growing up, and who were the slaves? Were we? Is that where the Jews were? Jews said to be the slaves. I mean, am I? I don't know why I thought that, but maybe I'm off on that. Is that is that what was? 
said? Am I? I love how everyone's so just leaving me out. I don't on the think end. they ever um, specify the race of the people that are believed to have built these things, but the proposition that these things were built by slaves is absolute nonsense, right? So, the most impressive structures that we have today. There aren't slaves building those things, right? You have professional engineers and professional construction workers that have literally spent their entire adult careers in the profession of construction. And that's exactly the same people that it was ancient stone masons and the ancient stone masons that built these structures. You're literally raised from birth in the craft of stone masonry. And there were not only engineers and architects, but professional construction engineers, um, terrain engineering etc that went into this so to imply that slaves built something that have lasted millennia is absolute nonsense these things were built by professional career stonemasons professional engineers and architects and it's it's just absolutely laughable to imply that slaves built something that has lasted that long okay i wasn't sure because i know the story of moses involves him free freeing the jews and I don't know oh, yeah. if that was the time, you know, so I wasn't sure if of these are these the same time periods and stuff like that. Maybe, maybe, maybe not. I just it was definitely interesting. So let's get into this, man. Let's let's review your theory. Tell me your theory. Yeah, so I can jump into the presentation if you guys like, because I have some, you know, some photos and some materials that can help kind of refresh all of that. Yeah. Let's so if you'd it. like, I can pop up this presentation and we can jump right into it. Let's do it. Guys, we've seen so many people making ridiculous money from crypto. But did you know that it's easy for you to do the same? The Copy My Crypto membership site shows you the coins that YouTuber James McMahon personally holds and allows you to copy him. It's like having a big brother who knows what he's doing. You don't need to know a thing about crypto or how to invest. You simply do what he does. So let me tell you about James. He runs the Crypto with James YouTube channel, which despite heavy censorship, has over 17,000 subscribers and 1 million views. Since March 2020, he's told his viewers to buy 26 crypto coins. Had you put $100 into each one, it would now be worth more than $53,000. Of the 26 coins, his top pick of the year, a coin called Phantom, is currently up over 440 times from when he named it. That one call alone has retired a number of people, including guys in their 20s and 30s. Remember, this is public knowledge. You can go to YouTube and verify it yourself. So if you'd like to join the 1,300 members who copy James, then stop what you're doing and head over to copymycrypto.com TFH. You'll not only find proof of everything I've said here, but our listeners can get full access for just $1. You won't find this offer anywhere else, but act fast because it ends soon. That's copymycrypto.com forward slash TFH. That's TFH. Don't take this offer lightly. James is the real deal. Go visit the site now. Let's go look at the presentation. Look at the presentation. Let's do it. Thanks for that. And this was actually the topic that I had <laughs> planned that. for today. To. And just let me know when you guys can see the screen and then I'll start rocking and rolling. We got it. We can see the screen. Someone's got to turn that into a little soundtrack. <laughs> ringtones. <laughs> do people still do ringtones? No. Excellent. All right, here we go. In the beginning. So rocking and rolling. All right. So this is a, a brand new logo that I just designed. Um, 
So the name of my book is The Land of Chem, C-H-E-M. And this is a brand new logo. I'm super happy with it. So it's a raw image of the Central Pyramid of Giza with an alchemical symbol for hydrochloric acid. And it's also on all my new merch that I'm currently wearing. So if you want to check that out, it's thelandofchem.com. But my theory for the Central Pyramid of Giza is that structure was producing hydrochloric acid. So that's what you'll see in all my logos are symbols for the pyramids themselves and then representations of the chemicals that were being produced inside of these structures. So a little refresher on the theory. So Egyptian pyramids were designed to produce chemicals on an industrial scale, starting with the step pyramid, which is the first large scale pyramid that was built in Egypt. And this structure originally started as a mastaba. It wasn't originally a pyramid. It was a single level platform structure with a chamber inside of it. And this is the configuration of the chamber inside of the step pyramid. And my theory is that this structure was designed to collect methane gas. And you can see here on the left, the configuration of the step pyramid of Saqqara. And here on the right, you can see the configuration of a modern biogas digester for the production of methane gas. And it is the exact same configuration. You have an inlet shaft, a central digestion chamber, and an outlet shaft leading out to the south. And that is exactly the configuration that we have in the step pyramid. So this structure was utilizing a slurry of water, agricultural scrap material, and cattle manure to produce methane gas. And that directly led to the symbols of the scarab and the deification of cattle in the ancient world. So across all the ancient civilizations oh. around the planet, oh yeah, <laughs> um, you'll see the deification of cattle, right? So of course, this is a solar symbol and astrological symbols are always incorporated into these ancient civilizations. But one of the things that I do on my channel is reinterpretation of these esoteric symbols with their deeper meaning as related to the production of chemicals. So the production of methane gas utilizes cattle manure. So if they were producing a sacred vital chemical like methane from the manure from the sacred cow, it would certainly give some justification for the deification of that animal. So this is one of the reasons that cows were so important in the ancient world is because their manure was used to produce methane gas. And that is also directly connected to the symbol of the scarab. So we see the scarab all over the ancient world in the dynastic Egyptian religion, and it's supposed to represent the rising sun. Well, that never made any sense to me because why would a desert cockroach pushing a ball of shit around the desert, how does that possibly represent the glorious rising sun? Well, the esoteric interpretation of that symbol would be for the collection of the cattle manure because that is exactly the natural behavior of the scarab beetle is to collect dung. That one that is bug is not helping at all. Uh, like, that bug is not helping. Yeah. It's twerking. This poor guy over here is like, no, that's not how you. I bet you like the other bug is like his kid and he just got him a job and he's just trying to help him. Like, like it's like, dude, you're not. You're twerking on our our dung balls. I'm just don't get promoted. I'm just surprised how perfectly of a circle that is. Yeah. I mean, that's yeah. like, I mean, is that like an actual picture or is that like more of a model? Yeah, so I think that's that's real life of the behavior of these animals. Wow. And again, it, it never made any sense to me how that became a symbol of the rising sun. But as I started to reinterpret some of the symbols from the dynastic Egyptian religion from the perspective of chemistry, it really began to open my eyes to the true meaning of this because, again, so step number one for the production of methane gas is you got to collect the manure. 
Well, that's exactly what the scarab does in its natural behavior. So as with all great esoteric symbols, there are multiple layers of interpretation. So you have a symbol of interpretation that's intended for the general public, usually related to spirituality or morality. And then you have a deeper interpretation that was only intended for the initiates into ancient chemistry. And that's kind of what I propose in the book, that there was an ancient society that was responsible for the construction and operation of the Egyptian pyramids that were initiates into this ancient chemistry. I mean, these these structures are huge. So that to me right. says that whatever population was there, it must have been a humongous civilization, right? I mean, those pyramids aren't just tiny. They're huge. They must be producing a ton of methane right am i wrong yeah no i mean that's one of the things with the configuration and the size of the structure it implies something that's being done on an industrial scale um so i would certainly agree with that that's one of the reasons that they made them as big as they are um i've also done an episode on my channel the function of the pyramid body so the body of the structure also has a function and i'll get to that later in the presentation all right, all right. sounds good i love this dude I mean, it's so. I mean, hidden history is my favorite topic by far. Same. It's 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 just like once you start studying hidden history, you start realizing that if they're lying about that, what else are they lying to me about? And it just gets down to basically everything. Well, I got some I got some hot stuff for you in the middle hot of the presentation, <laughs> and I think we kind of talked about this a little bit. How the modern industrial revolution is directly connected to individuals who reverse engineered the Egyptian pyramids. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So we'll, sure. we'll get to that here in just a sec. Yeah, so this sure. is the red, the red pyramid of Dashur. And I think I talked about this before. So my first time inside the structure, there's chemical staining all over the inside of this structure. And I'm actually going to be sharing with you guys the results of the chemical analysis that we took from inside of the structure. So there was a chemical and we took some samples from, in, not me, but a, a research group that I'm associated with took samples from inside of this structure and we did a chemical analysis to finally prove exactly what this material is. Were you allowed to do that or did you sneak it? I did not take any samples. Let me really say that. Respect, respect. I did not take any samples. It is highly, highly illegal to take any samples from inside this structure. Uh, the samples were taken by a group called the Asita Project, which is a Russian research team that I've been following for probably the past 15 years. And long story short, it turns out that we have some connections in common in Egypt. And I found out through the grapevine that they had taken this chemical analysis. I reached out to them and they finally sent me over the results of it. And I, I have that to share with you guys today. Yes. It's pretty, it's pretty badass, man. Quick, you're you're going to be fucking blown away when I, when I drop the hammer. Quick question. How secure are these pyramids? Can you just go up to them and like, like climb them? In a way, like, uh, yeah, so you definitely don't want to climb these things. It's a lot more difficult than people would think. Um, so on the Giza Plateau, right, it's very much a tourist destination. There's tons of cops and security and there's military personnel all over these sites. So you don't want to go and dick around at these places because you'll very quickly end up in jail. That being said, places like Dashur, which is where the Red Pyramid are, nobody goes out here. And even if they do, normal tourist groups will take you to the site. You're there for five minutes. You take a picture, you get back on the bus and you go back to the hotel. Well, in all of my research expeditions, we spend an entire day out on this site. 
going inside of the structures. And usually we're the only people inside of these things. So this day in Dashur, we were the only people in the entire area. Wow. That's crazy. I've spent cumulatively probably about three or four hours inside of this structure. And most people don't even get access inside of these things. You have to get special permission to get inside of all these things. But I've been inside pretty much every single pyramid in Egypt, not to mention some special access places that most people don't get a chance to see. What's the, but how secure are they? Actually quite secure because you have to go through military security personnel before you even get to the site. Um, so they have these places on lockdown. Oh. That being said, your tour guide. So anytime you tour Egypt, you have to have a licensed Egyptology guide with mm. you. However, they are not allowed to go inside the structures. And this is forbidden by the Ministry of Antiquities that the, the the guides don't go in the pyramids. So they basically send you in there by yourself unless you have a local guide with you. Wow. I wonder what that's about. But so so when you show and up. And I can explain why that's the case. Okay, too. we'll get into that. But and I do want to hear why. But so this pyramid that you're showing us on the screen right now, the red pyramid, yep. is so you have to go through a checkpoint to get there. But once you go past that checkpoint, it's pretty much empty. Yeah, you're in the middle of the desert. Nobody else is out there. Damn, that's crazy, right? I mean, that's yeah. kind of nuts. And what's the vibe inside it? Is it cold? I would assume it's hot as fuck inside. It's, it's hot. It's like a rave inside there. There's It's actually balls. very, very cool. <laughs> Yeah. Inside of all the structures, because, I mean, you got to imagine the last time I was there was 100 degrees outside. So going inside of these structures is quite a relief. Um, that being said, inside the Red Pyramid, it reeks of ammonia inside of this structure. And that is my theory that the Red Pyramid was designed to produce ammonia that was being utilized for fertilizer. Man. And I'll show that here in just a sec. So also on my channel, I mean, I have some animations that we've developed and I have an animation on my channel episode. I want to say it's episode 30, the function of the red pyramid part three. We got an animation that shows exactly how this structure was working. And here we can jump right into it. So long story short, as I began to research the function of the red pyramid and the physics, the capability of the physics that were built into these chambers, I kind of uncovered a bit of a quote unquote conspiracy theory. So what you see here on the left, this is the configuration of the first modern apparatus for the production of ammonia on an industrial scale. And you will notice that the configuration of this structure is exactly the same as the configuration of the red pyramid. You have one chamber here, one chamber here, and then an elevated third and final chamber. And that's exactly what you hear, see here on the left. And the function of these chambers is exactly the same. It's high temperature, high pressure compression of the reactants, which inevitably lead to the production of an ammonia solution in the final synthesis chamber. This is so and long story short, a gentleman by the name of Fritz Haber, a Nazi scientist, oh, yeah. was actively traveling to Egypt in the early 1900s. I discovered that the bankroll, the finance for this original ammonia synthesis apparatus comes from an Egyptian financier. Oh. So long story short, this is a, the, a depiction of the Haber process here, which is that, that modern industrial manufacturing process to produce ammonia. 
This was derived directly from reverse engineering the Red Pyramid of Dashur, and I'll talk about that a little bit later. Wow. But all of our modern industrial revolution, all of these chemical manufacturing processes can be traced back to the configuration of some of the Egyptian pyramids. That's so interesting because you see these pyramids and you know you hear about how difficult they are to navigate once you're inside and now it makes total sense in this context why they because they're not meant those places aren't meant for people to go into yeah, you know yeah, what i mean they're yeah, yeah. oh 100 yeah they're mechanisms right exactly yeah everybody's like yeah How so my, my, my first impression the first time that i went inside the red pyramid i'm standing inside of this huge vaulted chamber and it, it smells like ammonia and there's all this staining all over the wall and I'm even getting chill bumps talking about it now because my original sense was people are not meant to be inside of this thing. You're it's, it's an industrial reactor. You know, it's like going inside of a chemical plant inside of one of the reaction chambers. It's like people aren't supposed to be in here. So I, I immediately got that impression basically every time that I've been inside the structures. I just find it fascinating. I mean, just what, what was it like back then? Like how much of, like, look at it. Looks like it's like in the middle of nowhere, right? But why would you do that in the middle of nowhere? Well, you wouldn't put your, you know, you wouldn't put your processing plant in the middle of downtown. Yeah. You know what I mean? No, or no, your but, nuclear plant. Yeah, you don't but, put your nuclear plant so close but, to the city. Okay, so let's right. take a look at Los Angeles, right? I mean, there's an industrial area, but and it's, it's not like located completely away. From, well, it kind of is. Well, well it's on a, a river, and you'll you'll see that in the way that we build chemical manufacturing plants today. They're all located on a river because you want to have water cooling. for cooling of yeah. the facility, processing, et cetera. And that's exactly what you see in the Egyptian pyramids is they're built directly on the Nile River. And they did that for a reason because the water from the river was utilized in the manufacturing process. And there's multiple different ways that the water was used. Wow. I mean, that they made something... I think so. And you can't just all be making energy. So they all had to make other different chemicals. Yeah. I mean, each one yeah. was its own plant. Just like kind of like Correct. when you drive through an industrial area, you have, you know, different kind of plants out there. Now, is the pyramid itself, uh, is that is that a result of their architectural stylings or is that functional also, that shape? Uh, very good question. And we'll get to that here in just Johnny, I asked good questions. <laughs> Uh, but long story short, so yeah, the, the body of the pyramid had a function as well. So from its simplest standpoint, so we're producing high temperature, high pressure chemical reactions inside of these chambers. Well, you want to build a structure that can encapsulate all of that pressure. So that's one of the reasons that these structures are as big as they are was because, again, you have high temperature, high pressure inside of it. You don't want the whole thing to explode. So that was one of the reasons that they built the huge body of the pyramid around the reaction chambers was to prevent something like that from occurring. Oh. Also on the Giza plateau, you're making acids and you don't want any of that material escaping out into the atmosphere. So it also it's environmental protection, but there's also some more stuff. So I'm going to get to it here in a little bit. We did some experiments and we tested the geology of the Egyptian pyramids, the limestone, the red granite, black basalt and white calcite on a machine that produces an electromagnetic energy field. Well, all of these pyramids are built on a very specific place on the planet that happens to have convergences of electromagnetic energy fields. They're called vortexes or ley lines or whatever you want to call these yes. things. So all the ancient structures, 
are, are built on these convert. And I'm, I have an experiment on my channel and I'll talk about the results of that experiment, but we've actually tested the stones that were used to build these monuments. And there's an interaction between the electromagnetic energy field and the stones of the Egyptian pyramids. So there's multiple things that were going on in the function of these things. Um, the, the structure that we were just looking at is called the bent pyramid of Dashur. And it's literally, you could chuck a rock. If you're standing on the red pyramid, you throw a rock and you'll hit the bent pyramid. And the way that we do it today, right next to your ammonia factory is your urea factory or ammonium bicarbonate factory, because your ammonia is going to be liquid and it's not the most effective way to distribute that as a fertilizer in its liquid form. So you want to turn the aqueous ammonia, ammonia solution into a solid compound. And that's exactly what the bent pyramid of Dashur was doing, was transforming an ammonia solution into ammonium bicarbonate or urea, which is a solid ammonia um, fertilizer. Wow. And do you see that in modern day? And it's very similar to the industrial processes. Exactly. Yeah. And you'll see as we kind of move through the presentation, the more you look at the modern industrial revolution, and the processes for manufacturing chemicals that we have today, it is all the exact same as what they were doing back then. There's that saying, there's nothing new under the sun. And all of these guys in the early 1900s, they were researching the Egyptian pyramids. They were looking at the configuration of these structures. They were lifetime chemists and alchemists who were looking to push this into the modern world. And as they started to evaluate the capabilities of the physics and chemistry in these structures, I think they just took that information, reverse engineered it with today's electricity and metal containers, et cetera, et cetera. And boom, we have our modern industrial revolution that's derived directly from studying the Egyptian pyramids. That is so crazy, man. That is. Like- <laughs> and so this is just a picture of me at the Giza plateau. Shredded. Uh, I think, <laughs> I think this was, so I've been, I went in 2017, 2020, 2021, I'm going in about a month and this will be 2022. So my fourth trip, I'm pretty sure this was last year, Um, but long story short, standing on the Giza plateau. And this is the configuration of the great pyramid. And of course, everybody says that this structure was designed to produce electricity. Well, again, that's all, that's great. But if this was producing electricity, what are all the rest of them doing? And as I mentioned before, so this is the entrance over here. And if this thing was derived for a pharaonic burial, you're going to put your little sarcophagus in here and it's going to go all the way down into the subterranean chamber. Well, that's great. Well, how do you get it up into the King's chamber? So are you going to tie a rope to your golden sarcophagus and drag it up this well shaft, you know, with the body hanging into it, you're just going to vertically drag it up that shaft. I don't think so. Um, That is absolute nonsense to propose that this structure was designed to, Enter a pharaoh. Can I ask something? I'm sorry to cut you off. Um, is the so no, we have away, man. we have the the structure. We had the black lines which represent the outside of the pyramid, and then you have the lines which are are going down to the king's chamber. All the rest in white in between inside of the structure is that solid rock yes wow is that so shit won't explode like 
I think, in a weird kind of way. Well, I think that's what he's saying earlier. But I mean, that's unbelievable because when you think about, I don't know, maybe I'm wrong, but when you thought about the pyramids, you thought kind of like the middle would be empty, right? It would like, do well, you think of the pyramids as completely and utterly okay. full? I always did. Yeah. Really? No, I thought I kind of thought like in way in the way Sam says that there was to be the sarcophagus, and they said he had his cats and his fucking yeah, yeah, chairs. Yeah, 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 you know, yeah, had his yeah. all his possessions. Well, so you so, thought it was a big house? Like it was yeah, empty, kind of empty with shit in it. And then they would always say that the robbers went in there and they took everything. And, yeah, isn't that what Indiana Jones was basically all about? He was entering there was giant chamber. Like well, I mean, you're you're going for your history uh, on Indiana Jones. <laughs> yeah, I flunked first grade. I'm American. Okay, but the whole point is like, so like, why isn't Indiana Jones right? <laughs> but why you They're thought that like us. that all the all that you thought would be completely rock? Yeah, yeah. I mean, well, think about how it, the alternative is much more difficult to balance all those rocks without anything supporting them. Would just it collapse? I don't know. I never thought it was like that. Well, Go on. I thought it was like well, a mountain. Think of it from the construction standpoint as well. So these these structures were erected one tier at a time, like one layer at a time. So as you're building all of these internal chambers, you have to have the support network, the framework, or the structure around it to be able to stabilize those chambers. So the King's chamber here in the center, this is all made of huge slabs of red granite and all the rest of the structure is made from white limestone. And I'll get to that here in just a moment, but the King's chamber was essentially a furnace chamber. So there was high temperature and high pressure inside of this chamber as well. And if this thing wasn't surrounded completely by stone, the whole structure would just fall apart. Oh, my God. I never knew that. I never knew it was, I thought it was like. So So long story short, my, my theory is that the. Got some connection issues. Yeah. Can you hear us, Jeff? Yeah, 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 yeah. Sorry, I, okay. I didn't mean to cut you off there. No, no, no. You were, you were, you were, cu- you were coming in and out. Go on. Yeah, so I was just going to say, so the Great Pyramid that we were just looking at, so this is the configuration of a process called the contact process, which is our modern industrial process for producing sulfuric acid. And metallurgy was one of the primary uses for the acidic solutions being produced. So we know in the ancient world, metallurgy was huge, right? So we find gold incredibly pure gold, like 99.99% pure gold all across the ancient world. Well, you cannot achieve that purity of gold by smelting, just by smelting it. You have to do a chemical extraction to be able to get incredibly pure gold, and you have to have acids to be able to do that. And if you look at the configuration of the contact process, it's the exact same configuration that you find inside the Great Pyramid. So this, your furnace here, would be your king's chamber. And you have air shafts leading in and out of that chamber. Let me go back one sec here. So again, this is your furnace chamber here in the center. And you've got air shafts leading into that furnace chamber. Well, that's to facilitate airflow into the furnace, which also converts sulfur oxides into sulfur dioxides. Then you have your catalyst chamber here which is the antechamber hold on you you cut off so real I'll, quick say that again i i think we got it 
Okay. Can you just say that part one more time? Sorry, guys. Yeah, absolutely. So if you look at the configuration of this process, it essentially mirrors the configuration of the Great Pyramid. So our modern process for producing sulfuric acid is directly related to the configuration of the Great Pyramid. Wow. Stunned silence from Sam truly. That's, Do you I think we're pretty crazy. Okay, yeah. Something's going on with the connection. He's on a little delay, I believe. Oh no, I think it's like okay. Because when you say like, oh sorry for interrupting you, it gives him, it takes him a couple seconds. Okay. And we and then we we've dropped connection a oh, couple so that's times. The way, too. That's the way it works. I can I can hear you guys. Can you hear me? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah it's just now. he's on a delay. Yeah. Okay. All right. So go on, sorry. And so this is just the gif kind of demonstrating that process that was going on inside of the Great Pyramid. And this is the configuration of the central pyramid of Giza, which was designed to produce hydrochloric acid. And then the book culminates in Ireland. And of course, I do believe that there was a connection between the Egyptian pyramids and the ancient structures across the planet. And this is the configuration of Newgrange, which I believe was designed to produce a chemical called ferrous sulfate. And there's a stone sitting out in front of Newgrange that has all of these perplexing symbols on it. And no one has ever proposed an interpretation of these symbols. Well, after evaluating the symbols in comparison to the configuration of the structure, this is literally a chemical equation or a chemical reaction sequence. It's literally an instruction manual for how the structure was originally operating. Really? Wow. How did you get that? So... I actually went to Ireland in 2018, and this was after I started writing the first book, and all of the connections kept on pointing me back to Ireland. So I went and I was looking at the configuration of these structures, and there's definite similarities between the configuration of Newgrange and the passage chamber structures of Ireland. For example, this vaulted chamber system, you can see that configuration several thousand years later in the vaulted chambers of the Egyptian pyramids. So again, it's, it's the same science, the same physics and chemistry, but just separated by a few thousand years. And ferrous sulfate is an incredibly useful chemical that can be utilized to produce not only sulfuric acid, but also iron. So I do believe that there was a civilization called the Tuatadanan, which are the mythical inhabitor gods of Ireland that according to the Irish mythology, possessed magic. And part of my theory is that the quote unquote magic of the ancient world was actually practicing chemistry. So for someone who isn't aware of what chemistry is, if you're looking at someone doing chemistry and they're changing one solution to a colored solution, and they have all sorts of spectacular colors of fire and mysterious chemical reactions. Well, to somebody who doesn't know what that is, it could very much appear to be magic. And that's part of the, theory that I've proposed is that all of the magic in the ancient world was just misinterpreted by people who didn't know what chemistry was. I, uh, alchemy is what people believe is magic, which is basically the grandfather of chemistry, right? Exactly. 
Yep. So there is something to that, man. There is something to that, that magic, like what people thought was magic was actually chemistry. Absolutely. And even so when you're evaluating alchemy, the individuals that were writing these manuscripts and drawing these things. So you have to imagine this was during the medieval times where the practice of science and the practice of chemistry would very quickly get you burned at the stake. (laughs) So they veiled the science of chemistry in the allegory of spiritual resurrection and transformation, the alchemy of the soul, right? So it gives a spiritual interpretation that was intended for the masses and intended for the public. But if you really evaluate those texts, they are talking about practical chemistry. And even some of the pictures and symbols that you see, those are actually depictions of chemical reactions. It has nothing to do with transformation of your soul. That was just a way that they could hide the science of chemistry that they were actually doing. Dude, I find that it's unbelievable what would happen to people when they tried to practice science, right? And then you look at what these guys are pulling off today and all the bullshit, and you're like, okay, maybe they were onto something, right? Yeah, maybe yeah. maybe we should not just <laughs> let scientists run crazy. And I don't even know who this dude is <laughs> that you have up here, but those glasses, I mean, <laughs> I wouldn't trust anybody with those glasses, dude. I'd be like, okay, what are you up to, shady dude? It's like, how would you describe oh, know, right? They're just like glasses with no arms. So this is this is Fritz Haber, the Nazi scientist. Of course. Of course. I I would propose that. So he was traveling to Egypt. I found multiple books that document his travels to Egypt. And the Nazis were actively researching things like this, the esoteric, the ancient, the Egyptian pyramids. So I have a feeling that this guy did the exact same thing that I did in 2017, took an expedition inside of the Red Pyramid, saw the chemical staining smelled the ammonia, went home and started to reverse engineer the structure. And instead of writing a book or putting it out on YouTube, like I've done, he just created a patent. And now we have our industrial process for producing ammonia that was literally stolen from the Egyptian pyramids by reverse engineering the structures. I don't even know how you would reverse. I mean, like, how would you reverse engineer that? Would you just be like... I mean, okay, this is up here. I got to figure out what is up here. How do I get to here? How did they start with it? I wonder if he just did like, like you guys did chemical samples to find out what was in that room, what was in this room, what was in that room. Do you think that's what, how yeah. they did it? Well, so it, my process for, I basically did the same thing. I attempted to reverse engineer the structures to determine how they operated. And one of the first things that I was looking at is the vaulted chamber. So as you go up in the chamber, the volume of the chamber gets smaller. So if you compress gases that are in a large chamber into a small chamber, the temperature and pressure of those gases are going to increase. And that is exactly the function of that vaulted chamber. So the, the first chamber of the red pyramid, they put methane gas into that first chamber. Methane gas is water insoluble. So as the water rose in that chamber, it compressed the methane gas into that upper vault, which increased the temperature and pressure of the gases that led to a chemical reaction. So long story short, that's how that structure operated is by using water 
to increase temperature and pressure in that upper vault. Well, long story short, that's exactly how these chambers operated, but they use electricity and compression mechanisms to do the exact same thing. Yeah, well, I mean, it's not the first time that they've said Nazis have reverse engineered something. They said they, they did it with alien technology. Yeah, 100%, but it's like, there's things that we just take for granted in our society and this is one of them like how long did it take them to realize hey man if we take cow dong we could turn into a chemical that could help society like how long it's like jimmy jimmy schubert's bit about like that one frog that if you lick it you have a like you can have a it's a psychedelic five dmt toad how many animals did they lick before they got to that animal and they realized the toad was the one that could get, make them trip balls? Like we Let's take all, be all grateful this- for our ancient ancestors that sacrificed themselves in the, the pursuit of our psychedelics. One hundred percent, man. Ayahuasca is even more improbable than that mm-hmm. because ayahuasca yep. is a combination of you got to mix them. Yeah, yeah. who knows? You right? have, there's only this, this one plant that's uh, an MAO inhibitor, I think, that, that makes the DMT, the yeah, it makes it last a lot longer, the effect. Otherwise, yep. it would be, you know, a yeah, fleeting so your, effect. Yeah, so your but. body doesn't, like, um, what is it? And, they're, and, they, and they, according to their, you know, uh, spoken uh, tradition, oral traditions, they, they were told that by, like, the spirits to, to go seek yeah. that plant out. Yeah, yeah. So even, so even that, right, that is ancient chemistry. So they had to find a plant that contains a monooxidase inhibitor to be able to prevent that from stopping the drugs from working in your body. So even ancient pharmacology, ancient medicine, ancient cosmetics, the dynastic Egyptians were the first to produce cosmetics while making dyes, pigments, glass, you know, chemicals, drugs, whatever. This is all ancient chemistry. So there's a lost story of a civilization that knew about chemistry. Of course, it's been veiled on the word of alchemy and this, that, and the other, but this is what I'm trying to reveal about this ancient civilization was this is not like lost ancient high technology. This isn't spaceships and laser beams and all this kind of stuff. It's, it's very practical knowledge that was being implemented by a civilization for the benefit of the entire world. This was a, a global civilization. There was global agriculture and industry and you know, you find the cocaine mummies in Egypt. So clearly there's a connection between South America and Egypt. They find Egyptian glass beads all over Europe. So clearly there's a connection between this. So again, it's a global society that was producing goods, agriculture, et cetera, as a result of the chemicals that they were producing on an industrial scale, which is exactly what we have in our modern society today. We couldn't do anything without chemicals. Yeah. The world is way more interesting. So long story short, kind of what I've been implying is that, you know, again, all of our modern processes for manufacturing these chemicals come from reverse engineering the Egyptian pyramids. Ooh, yeah. So next up, I have the results of that electromagnetic field experiment, if you guys are ready. Yes. Drum roll, please. I'm in. Okay, cool. So this is a case of samples of geology from the Egyptian Museum and they give you a breakdown of the chemical composition of all of these samples. So hold while on, we were on. in oh, Egypt, sorry. Took- I'm sorry to cut you off. And everyone's go, go. Yeah. killing me right now. <laughs> Are you telling me that they took these giant chunks? Are these huge chunks? Uh, so in the previous picture, no, these are all like, you know, handheld size. 
chunks. That's a pretty big chunk still, even if it's a handheld size, and, to sneak that out. And those are from the they're all from different pyramids. Oh, no, these are, are in different the colors. Museum. Oh, these are okay. All right, all right. I was yeah, this say. this case here is in, is from the museum, and the the samples that we were testing are just normal pieces of stone. So like normal limestone, normal granite. Um, none of these samples were actually taken from the sites. They're just samples of stone that are the same type of stone that was utilized in the pyramids. All right. So you didn't actually take anything. They didn't actually take anything from the pyramids. Well, so the, the chemical analysis, yes, that was okay, taken from right, inside right. of the red pyramid. Okay. But in this experiment, so so my friend Yusuf, the, the tour guide that we've been working with, he's a stone carver and has a little shop on the Giza plateaus. His shop is two minutes away from the Sphinx. You can literally walk there. And he has samples of stone all throughout his little workshop. So he has limestone, he has red granite, he has calcite, he has black basalt. And these are just some some images of the type of geology that are across. So limestone, calcium carbonate, red granite is particularly important because I mentioned before the entire king's Whoa. chamber of the Great Pyramid is constructed from red granite. And this picture here on the right is looking into the northern air shaft inside of the Great Pyramid. So the important thing to remember about the red granite is that it contains quartz crystal and i'll get to that here in just a minute so black basalt is another type of stone that we see all across egypt it's made of a whole bunch of different stuff but long story short there's no crystalline quartz in this material and then you also have calcite crystal which is made of a similar composition of limestone but it's actually in a crystalline form so that's really really important so we put samples of these four different types of stone on top of this machine. And you guys see that machine now? Yeah. yeah. Okay, cool. So this machine creates an electromagnetic energy field, which essentially is mimicking the earth. So when you put these different types of stone on top of this machine, it has some very, very interesting results. And you can see here, there's a copper wire in Yusuf's hand. And if you go and touch that copper wire to the different types of stone, so starting with the limestone, you will get an electric discharge from the limestone into the copper wire. If you do the same thing on the black basalt, you will also get an electric discharge from the stone into the wire. However, if you put that wire directly on the machine, absolutely nothing happens. So there is an interaction between the limestone and the basalt and the electromagnetic energy field. So now you test the red granite and the calcite. So that electromagnetic energy is flowing from the machine into the red granite, which contains that quartz crystal. So when you put the copper wire next to the piece of red granite, it does absolutely nothing because all of that electromagnetic energy is being trapped inside of the crystalline quartz inside of the red granite. And the same is true of the white calcite. Now I won't say why that's the case, but this function has been integrated into the chemical manufacturing operations inside of these structures. 
So, it, so this structure, as you have it presented, controls the electric current. Is that what you're telling me right now? So, so this configuration is something called the Jed Pillar. And the Jed Pillar is a symbol from the dynastic Egyptian religion, but it was also an actual piece of quote-unquote technology. And the Jed Pillar is a limestone column that you can see that we've replicated here that had alternating rings of black basalt and red granite. So that's why we put the stone into this configuration was to mimic the Jed pillar, which I believe was a piece of functional technology. But long story short, the, the machine here at the bottom is what's producing the electromagnetic field. And the limestone allows that electromagnetic field to flow through the stone. There's nothing in the limestone that prevents the flow of that electromagnetic energy. However, in the red granite and in the calcite, you have that crystalline material. And that crystal absorbs all of the electromagnetic energy and it causes the stone to vibrate or pr produce high frequency acoustic vibrations. Wow. Wow. And what so would, a pretty, I, pretty fascinating experiment. Oh. So what would that do to, what was your belief that does with the chemical process? How does that? Oh, I can't reveal it quite yet. Oh, snap. <laughs> okay. All right. I'll chill. I'll chill. I'll chill. So, so long story short, the, the configuration of these chambers was designed to amplify that electromagnetic energy field. So long story short, the electromagnetic energy is flowing into these structures and and amplifying the chemical reaction process. I won't reveal the details on that because it's in the second book, which hasn't come out yet. But. Oh, okay. <laughs> What's the writing on on the on that wall? Uh, that, uh, that says eighteen thirty six. Who's who's doing some it? asshole? Is that like tagging? Yeah, so, is that so people from LA? Here, this is a picture from inside. Yeah, so this is a picture from inside of the primary steam reformer, inside of the red pyramid. And the writing that you can see here, this is just graffiti from the original explorers that went inside these structures in the 1800s, late 1800s, early 1900s. So this is from 1836. This asshole went and wrote his name right here. With the happy face. <sighs> what an asshole. There's some down on the right, too. You can see. So it it's, it's graffiti. Glidden. Some wow. guy named Glidden. Let's put him on blast. Glidden, you asshole. Glidden, he's probably not around anymore. Yeah. And there's a lot of these guys. I mean, on, the, the people that were originally investigating Egypt and developing the science of Egyptology, these guys were not scientists. They were not engineers. They were not chemists. They were incredibly rich aristocrats that were looking for a payday and you know, trying to make a name for themselves, going to Egypt and discovering the secrets of Egypt. So they had no care whatsoever for protecting the integrity of these structures, nor were they looking at these things from the perspective that we have today. So, for example, modern Egyptology was developed before our Industrial Revolution. So chemical manufacturing didn't really even exist at that time. So there was no way for these people to conceive of these things being anything other than tombs because they had limited knowledge at that time. So they go in here. Ah. Okay, of course it's a tomb because chemical manufacturing plants didn't even exist yeah. at the yes, 1900s. Yes, I get you. Yes. 
So if you take the knowledge that we have today and look at these things from a new, fresh perspective, you can really start to understand exactly what they are, particularly when we use things like chemical analysis. So check out this black staining in the upper vault of this chamber. Yeah. And the conventional explanation has been that this is from bats. (laughs) And I knew the first time I went inside this structure that that was absolute bullshit or bat shit. And everybody says, oh, the staining is from the bats and the smell of ammonia is from the bats and the bats, bats, bats. Well, first of all, I have never seen one fucking bat inside of this structure. I've been to Egypt over the past five years and been in plenty of structures that have bats. And there is none of this staining and none of the smell of ammonia. So five years go by. I'm writing this book. And these are some original pictures from inside of the Red Pyramid before the structure was cleaned and sanitized for the public. And you can see the incredible amount of chemical staining that is covering the walls inside of these chambers. And if you look, it's in very specific patterns that indicate fluid dynamics and the moving water and the moving gases inside of this structure. So this, this is literally the smoking gun of the Egyptian pyramids that this was a functional apparatus. It's not a burial chamber there were reactions going on inside of this chamber. So long story short, (laughs) I have been arguing with people on my channel for years now about the stupid fucking bats. And it was my life's greatest pleasure when I finally got this chemical analysis. So this is from a group called the Asita project. And they're a Russian team that has been investigating Egypt with Yusuf, my same tour guide. And they went and got private access into these structures in like 2010. And they actually took samples of that black material from inside of the red pyramids. They scraped some of this stuff off. They took it home with them to Russia and they did SEM discovery. So scanning electron microscopy. And they also did a chemical analysis of this material. So I'm going to run through the chemical analysis real quick. So on this first one, they're investigating these little pieces right here. So you have oxygen, sodium, phosphorus, sulfur, chlorine, and potassium. Nothing very unusual there. Next one, you've got all those similar compounds. Moving this out of the way here. So you've got carbon, oxygen, sodium, magnesium, silicon, phosphorus, sulfur, chlorine, potassium, calcium. Nothing particularly unusual there. Same list, and you'll see down here, you start to see some unusual stuff. So you have barium. Almost 11% of weight of this particular sample is barium. So we're going to start to move further away from anything that can be produced by biological material. Because everyone's explanation is this material is bat shit, and it's bat urine. So there should be biological material in these samples. So we see barium there. What is barium? Next up, pretty unusual, normal stuff. Oxygen, phosphorus, chlorine, potassium, calcium. So what is barium? Yes. So barium is, well, it's not a particularly unusual compound, but it's it's a non-metallic substance. Um, I'm not too familiar with barium specifically in terms of what it is or, you know, the operation thereof, but it's just not something that you would expect to see in a biological sample. Okay. Um, The next one is molybdenum. What would, well, yeah, that's a great question, Johnny. I'll ask it so I get credit. Yeah. <laughs> what would we expect to see in a biological sample? In a, yeah, so mostly you're looking for carbon, 
right? Because anything organic is going to be carbon based. Yeah. And there's almost no carbon in these samples, not to mention that limestone itself is made of calcium carbonate. And you find very, very little calcium and very, very little carbon. There's almost no carbon whatsoever in any of these samples. And as we move along, you'll see that the chemical analysis starts to get more and more unusual as we move along because you would expect to see calcium carbonate in the sample, but there's none whatsoever. So molybdenum is a metal, a very, very unusual and somewhat rare metal that you definitely wouldn't expect to see if this was bat urine or bat piss, whatever. Okay. So next up running through same thing. Got some carbon, got some oxygen, you know, phosphorus, sulfur, chlorine, potassium. So now we have 50% by weight copper. So half of this material is metallic copper in this particular portion of the sample, moving further and further away from biological material. So next up, zinc, almost 90% of the sample zinc metal. Next up, everything pretty normal. So down here at the bottom, you got iron. Iron metal, almost 60% of this particular sample. So again, this is moving way away from anything biological and it's more exotic metals that have no place whatsoever inside of, you know, how did this get inside there? So next up, and this is where it really departs. So SB is antimony, which is one of the first metals that was being extracted and studied by the alchemists of the medieval period. There is absolutely no explanation whatsoever of how you get 50% by weight antimony in a sample inside of one of the Egyptian pyramids. And there was a substance being manufactured by the dynastic Egyptians called coal, which is a black eyeliner that was made of antimony sulfides and antimony oxides. So this is almost proof that the civilization that built these structures knew about exotic metals were extracting exotic metals and working with them at least in a somewhat industrial capacity so next up this is where it starts to get very interesting you know this one down here at the bottom th yeah thorium what is thorium you may have heard that in discussion to radioactive material or oh man really Thorium, correct. So this so, shit was radioactive almost a little bit? So 40, 40% almost, 37% by weight of this particular sample is thorium, which is a somewhat radioactive metal. Can I ask a question? Now, please do. Are these samples from all over the pyramid? Are they in the same area? Are there are these are they different pyramids? These samples, or it was all from the red pyramid in different yep. chambers, or was it all around the same thing? And just because there were so much different chemical reactions happening, they got different reads. So that's one of the. So to answer your question, all of this sample came from one spot inside of the red pyramid. Wow! And and there's a there's a place in the structure where you go up a scaffold to get to the shaft to go into the third chamber. And at the top of that 
you can reach into the upper vault to literally touch where the staining comes from. So all of this material, and again, you have to imagine they probably only got like a quarter of a gram, like a very, very small amount of this sample. And it contains all of these exotic, somewhat radioactive metals. So this is the full chemical analysis of that sample. And let me read to you everything that's in this, and it's going to blow your mind. You ready? Yes. So we've got less than one gram, praseodymium, neodymium, samarium, europium, gadolinium, terbium, dysprosium, holmium, erbium, thulium, ytterbium. So these are, I haven't even gotten through the whole, ytterbium is an incredibly rare exotic metal that was discovered in a remote mine in Sweden. So there is literally absolutely no explanation for what this rare exotic metal is doing inside of the pyramid, but it is definitely in here in this analysis. So we've got hafnium, thorium, beryllium, scandium, gallium, cesium, cobalt, molybdenum, niobium, and yttrium. So these are all rare, somewhat radioactive, exotic earth metals. Then we get into some more. We've got cesium. This is from the 1 to 10 grams per ton. Cesium, lead, vanadium, chromium, nickel, zirconium, and rubidium. Next up, from 10 to 50 grams, we got copper, zinc, and barium. And the number one component of all of this sample is down here at the bottom, strontium. Strontium. <laughs> Correct, which completely blew my mind when I found out what this material is. And I know exactly what was causing this extrusion and why strontium is in there. So the red pyramid is made from an incredibly unusual type of limestone. And in specific types of limestone, strontium can replace the calcium in the calcium carbonate lattice. So instead of calcium carbonate limestone, you have strontium carbonate limestone. And that is exactly what the red pyramid is built from is not regular limestone at all. It's, it's made from limestone that's made from strontium carbonate. And the black staining are strontium extrusions. So all of this material is trapped inside of the stone. And as a result of the temperature fluctuations inside of the structure, so there's changes from very high temperature of high pressure to low temperature and low pressure. So when the pressure dropped inside of those chambers, it was causing this material to extrude out of the stone, causing the black deposits that have formed all over the chambers. And if you didn't have extremely high temperatures or fluctuations in pressure, those extrusions would not happen. So it's, it's literally as close to we'll get as, I don't like to say proof, but conclusive evidence of my theory that there were chemical reactions going on inside these chambers. And that would also somewhat explain the presence of very exotic, rare, somewhat radioactive metals in this sample. Where do you, well, you forgot to bring up quartz. Where, where does that come in? Because that's a glass, right? A very like, uh, it sustains a lot of heat. Oh, yeah. So the quartz. So the quartz, that is in the Great Pyramid. So the, the Red Pyramid is actually made completely from limestone. 
And most of the Egyptian pyramids are made completely from limestone. There's only a few structures that have the granite integrated in the structure. So the, the Great Pyramid is the one that has the granite in it. The Red Pyramid is made completely from limestone, but it turns out it's it's not normal limestone at all. It's, it's strontium carbonate, which is very, very unusual and completely contradictory to everything you would hear in the normal story. Because everybody tells you, even when you go to Egypt, that this is caused by the bats. The black staining is bat piss. The smell of ammonia is bat piss. Well, it's not. It's, it's extrusion of this exotic material that's coming out of the stone. Oh, there's nothing to see here. You know, you go inside the structure. Oh, that's all just caused by bats. Don't worry about the smell of ammonia or the staining. That's, that's all bat piss. And it's just a way to distract people away from looking at what is actually inside of those chambers. Johnny, you have a question? Yeah, I, I got two quick questions. One, God dang it. maybe maybe I'm wrong, the uh, but it, it seems that the, the Egyptian government is really hostile to these theories, and it, it would seem to me that they wouldn't be because this suggests that they had a really advanced civilization. So one, if they are, tell me, you know, their sort of attitude toward these thoughts and then what your opinion is about that. And then also these samples, Just this is just a quick one, were, because we're having some connection issues, I'm going to ask both of them, were these samples obtained legally uh, by the Russian group? No. <laughs> okay. it, is, it is highly, highly illegal to do any sort of sample taking or research or basically you can't even take a tape measure onto the Giza Plateau without permission from the Egyptian government. You cannot do anything without somebody on your ass from the government. And the Egyptian government does not sanction or approve any research that is not directly related to the conventional narrative. So if you're not researching pharaohs being buried inside of these structures, (laughs) you will never get approval from the Egyptian government to do research. And no, what they did is, is highly, highly illegal. Um, you know, that being said, there's lots of illegal shit that goes on in Egypt unnoticed. You know, you tip this guy, blah, 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 grease some palms, et cetera, et cetera, and, and, and things can get done. But to answer your question, no, what they did was was incredibly illegal and risky. But thank God they actually did this because yeah. now this chemical analysis is available to the public and we can finally put to rest the nonsense of people claiming that it's from bats because it's absolutely not clearly see proven by chemical analysis that has nothing to do with bats. You don't find thorium and radioactive metals inside bat piss. Why don't they own this though? That's what I don't, the the Egyptian government, it seems to me they would want, this would suggest that they've had this crazy advanced civilization. Because uh, That's a great question. Well, because one, it's like people, they want, they want a narrative of, Man came from monkeys, and and we went through this whole thing where we went from caveman and all this stuff, and it disconnects you from God, and how our timelines, and everything, and that we're just monkeys in shoes, hurling Mm -hmm. through space, and that, you know, we're nothing special. And that's what this is, man. And like, man, I'm sorry, dude, but the more and more I study... A lot of stuff going on. There are darks entities at work here that hate us because they're trapped here and they don't want us to know how truly special we are. And this is all part of it. And he's totally right when he brings up that they didn't understand chemical plants back then. So they had to make up a reason why that this giant structure was. And what they came up with was 
They had to have the pharaohs buried there, and that's what they're. Exp- and now, over time, we realize that's not the truth at all. Yep. Yeah. I mean, you're you're exactly right. So the the narrative of the dynastic Egyptian civilization, the pharaonic burial theory, all of that stuff, that was developed in the early 1900s. And the book on Egypt was already written way before we ever understood how to manufacture chemicals or before we had industrial manufacturing of any sort, before we had electricity. So the book was already written. And by the time we had the knowledge to really start to understand these structures and to use the technology that we have today, chemical analysis, et cetera, et cetera, to look into these structures, what are they going to do? Throw the whole thing out now? So there's, there is no changing the conventional narrative because it's already been established. But again, there's tons of people that are looking into these things and doing the same thing I'm doing, reverse engineering the structures and attempting to come up with their original function. And we all come to the same conclusion that these things are functional. But the people that wrote that book didn't have the same knowledge that we have today. So there was no ability for them to be able to look at them as anything other than burials. Uh, would you say the Aztec pyramids... Do they land in the same category or were those, you know how they say those were sacrificial fucking we chop heads off here? Is that whole another narrative just like the pharaohs being 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 that being a tomb? So I'm very interested in all of the pyramids across the world. So they're not just in Egypt. They're all over South America. There's pyramids in China that they just cover up and don't let anybody know about. And for example, the Pyramid of the Sun, Teotihuacan in Mexico is reported to have a river of mercury running underneath the structure. Now, mercury is incredibly useful in creating amalgams and extracting gold. So gold was the reason for all of this stuff, right? Metallurgy and the creation of incredibly pure gold. Well, we know that the Aztecs and et cetera, et cetera, across South America, that was their goal, like production of pure gold, right? Um, What was the name of that city of gold? El Dorado. El Dorado. So where are they getting all this pure gold from? You cannot create pure gold from smelting. You have to use chemicals. Do you think the narrative of that they were savages cutting off heads was could be a psyop so we don't understand maybe that they were advanced like the Egyptians were? Um, well, I will say this. I do believe that the ancient world was incredibly brutal. And they certainly may have had belief structures in terms of their religion or, you know, concepts of metaphysics and spirituality that, you know, we don't really understand. Um, I will say that, you know, some of the Aztec weapons and things that they found are certainly indicative of a society that might do that sort of thing. Um, you know, it's, it's, it's hard to say. Again, I don't I really agree with the, just the picture that conventional archaeology and history has painted of the ancient world, right? It's all cavemen or these savages and, you know, little cloth gowns or slaves building the pyramids. That's really not the case at all. These were advanced civilizations that were global commerce, networks and trading, all this sort of stuff. And, you know, was there some brutal practices? Sure. I mean, look at the Vikings, you know, chopping people's heads off and the iron cross or where they, you know, make the vulture and take apart the body and all this kind of stuff. Ancient world was brutal, but that doesn't preclude their knowledge of chemistry. Just because they were chopping people's heads off doesn't mean that they didn't also know how to do chemistry. Uh, you brought up the harvesting of gold. Uh, that have yeah. anything to do with the Anunnaki? Could they have been a 
part of who created this or helped make this fire today xg is on (laughs) fire today guns a blazing well so there's lots of research in the ancient world there's a gentleman by the name of lawrence gardner that was proposing that the ancient dynastic egyptians were creating monoatomic gold which is gold that's basically been dissolved you can take a chunk of gold and put it into a solution of aqua regia which is nitric acid and hydrochloric acids you can dissolve that gold and create powder and turn that gold into a powder. And some people claim that this is a quote unquote medicine. Um, I certainly wouldn't advocate anybody taking <laughs> monoatomic gold or Ormus or anything like that. But there are other researchers that have proposed that they were, you know, using gold for multiple purposes. So the Anunnaki and all these ancient civilizations. So the same story exists across the planet that there was the arrival of the quote unquote creator gods that came with science and technology and quote unquote magic. All of the ancient gods had quote unquote magic. Mm-hmm. Well, from our conversation, we know wow. that magic isn't magic at all. It's actually the practice of chemistry. So when you look at the stories of these ancient civilizations, like the Tua de Danan, it was a arrival of these creator gods that were bringing science, technology, and magic. Well, they were actually practitioners of chemistry, chemistry being the foundation of any advanced civilization, et cetera, et cetera. So someone had to bring this knowledge. Someone had to bring this knowledge too. And, and I really like, and in my book, so North America, and there's tons of researchers that are investigating the lost civilization in North America during the last ice age. And I would propose that there was a civilization in North and South America that knew about chemistry and astronomy and construction. And at the end of the last ice age, there was a cataclysm and the survivors of that ancient civilization spread across the planet. And that is where you see the mythology of the arrival of the creator gods coming with that science and technology already intact. The only place that we do not have the mythology of the arrival of the creator gods is North America. Because the North American Indians say that their gods came from the underground, like the Hopi ant people. It's it's so I like, don't you, but it's a, it's a fascinating story. And so the whole reason I wrote a book, and it's a, it's a fictional story of a young man's initiation into an ancient society that was responsible for the construction and operation of the Egyptian pyramids. Oh, and the reason I wrote it as a book is because, A, I didn't want to write a boring-ass research paper. And secondly, I don't have any technical qualifications to write an academic research paper. But also, there's a great quote from Rudyard Kipling that said, if history was told in the form of stories, then it would never be forgotten. And that's really what I've attempted to do in this story and on my YouTube channel and all of this is paint the picture of this ancient civilization as accurately as I can. And they were utilizing these structures, not only for spiritual transformation, et cetera, et cetera, but also for literal transformation of material, right? One chemical into another chemical. I just find it, um, I would love to just be able to be like, just sit back and rewind time and yeah. see how far back and see what really you know, happened. There's this idea that once we have the internet of things and everything is cataloged mm-hmm. in reality. Backtrack. Yeah, you can like almost do that eventually like in a computer simulation. Once everything is internet connected, like every molecule is accounted for in a computer, then they'll just be able to rewind that and give you a, you know, the farther you go back, I think the margin uh, of error would be wider. But you, but you can make like some realistic simulations of how we got here. You know? It's that logic of like they can find out why that leaf fell. 
And when that leaf fell because of this, because of this, because of this, because of this, and it'll go yeah. on till like, like Johnny said, all the back. The farther you go yeah. back, it'll be less accurate. But, yeah. you know, there's a possibility that could happen. It's crazy, bro. It's crazy. All, all I know, dude, is that what we're taught in school and in our culture isn't real, isn't right, and they're doing it purposefully to, you know, not to make us not know how special we really are yeah and, and we should be clear right it's not like teachers that are it's the this, it's not teachers yeah i mean it's at the very top Te- that they're it's like we talk down. about with science and and medicine it's like they're taught wrong on purpose it's these universities man it's like it's just the place 100%. to go get your mind fucked now and, and since you mentioned universities i will say this so the civilization that built the egyptian pyramids these individuals were on an intellectual and spiritual level that we no longer have today. I believe that the mental capabilities of the individuals of this ancient society vastly surpass our mental capabilities today. That's why we see such sophisticated mathematics and geometry encoded into these structures. So I focus on the inside, right? The function of the chambers themselves and what these structures were doing. But there's also a lot of very important mathematics, science, and geometry that's built into the architecture of the pyramid itself. And these structures are literally universities built into stone of the cumulative knowledge of this ancient civilization. So it's astronomy, it's mathematics, geometry, chemistry, physics, all of the sciences of this ancient civilization were literally encoded into the Egyptian pyramids and built so that they would last forever. So that civilizations like us thousands of years later could come back and study these things and retrieve all of that information that was put in there by this ancient civilization to protect it. I think here's my whole opinion. I also think sometimes we romanticize some parts of the past as well. I mean, I don't care where you were. I don't care if you were at like the super high intelligent, like, um, civilization they also had idiots right yeah. they probably had a couple sure. idiots home, home, i'm sure there were some homeless egyptians even though they were they were doing some weird magic i'm chemistry. sure some of the pyramids were sewage treatment plants you know yeah, like, there had to be some guys you know my the whole notion that people are dumber now i i, I think it's not that they're dumber i think they're just we've allowed ourselves to be saturated with useless knowledge, right? So, like, you always see this, like, on the streets where they're like, hey, man, who fought in the Civil War? People are like, it's because they've been bombarded. The Lakers. With, like, who Kim Kardashian is they? And you move some information out, and guess what? It's not that kid's fault. You know whose fault it is? The parents, for not going, hey man, you gotta know these basic things. No, and you should, and you should want to know them. You only learned them because someone told you, and you needed to know it by the test. Yeah, we. And are, I forget the second I wrote is, that man, down. It's the uh, education now, in a weird way, is a lot like music, right? Everyone's like, music sucks. No. There's great music out there. Now you just can't rely on corporations to show you that great music because they want you to like their garbage, which is trying to make you look stupid, make you dumber. You got to go out and find the great music. I think that's what people mean, though, when they say education sucks, is that they mean public schools or yeah, shit. Yeah, and right. I feel bad for people that d- there's so much knowledge on the internet. 
I mean, hardcore history. And what history. you like to focus but on. But did you care about it when you were that age? You know what I mean? Like, I, I get it, what she's saying, but I couldn't. I don't think I, I could have cared about it as much as I do now at that age. Well, that, Johnny, well, what if they would have gave you hardcore history? Yeah, maybe. Hardcore so, history is brutal. It's brutal. Yeah, I know. But <laughs> what's that? So I was, was going to say, for example, my, my interest in physics and chemistry came directly from investigating the Egyptian pyramids. So I found something that I was passionate about and something that took my interest immediately. And I started investigating more and I learned about physics and I learned about chemistry and I learned about geology simply by following my passion. Yeah. And that's what they take away from kids these days is no, you don't get your passion. We're going to put you in a little box and yeah. this is what you're going to learn. Well, if you allow people to find what they're truly inspired by, in my case, traveling to Egypt and looking at these structures, well, everything I've learned about, you know, physics and chemistry comes directly from the undertaking of learning more about the pyramids. So if you put these kids on the right path of learning stuff that they're actually interested in, everything else just kind of falls into place. That's hilarious. A lot of people that grow weed or make wax know chemistry because they had to learn how to make chemistry because they learned how to take the fucking terps or whatever they know how to talk yeah, about yeah. it. And they learn through, through, through passion. I want to learn because I want to learn how to make yeah. better weed. And I'm starting to wonder if maybe that's the way life's supposed to be. Like, you're supposed to l learn a lot of the basics of life, like how to cook, how to, how to build, how to balance your books, how to do all this stuff. And then when you find out what you are interested in, then you start learning that stuff. Maybe I'm wrong on that, but it's like learning basics. My kids are going to learn how to cook, how to do, how to survive, do all that stuff. And when they get to a certain age, maybe they'll go study the pyramids and all that stuff. Percent. So yeah. when I, when I started doing all this, I just wanted to write a book and make a YouTube channel, but I didn't realize that I was going to have to do accounting, you know, P and L statements, tracking of all my revenue and et cetera, et cetera, and all this sort of business related backend stuff, which I never had any interest in doing that, nor did I intend to do that. But in developing a business and selling books and having YouTube, you got to do all that stuff. So that's how I learned about the business aspect of, you know, running the land of chem. So again, it's following my passions and then basically learn the same stuff you would get into business school. Yeah. I mean, I, 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 I completely agree with that dude. And it's just like, I think I think we're in some interesting times and I think because you look at the world right now there's so much unrest happening and it's all happening at once and I think people are waking up to the power structure of the world and how the world how how our leaders have been uh, leading us astray manipulating us and into fear and I think people are waking up to it. And I think it's, I personally believe it's too late to put the cat back in the bag. That the word's out there and people are listening and they're going to try to, I don't know about you, but anybody else having some problems with their electronics lately? I've been hearing a lot of people talking about that. New iPhone coming out probably. What do you mean? How do you mean that? Like, uh, you know, like Tino Sanchez, we were recording in... Um, in at the dojo on his iPhone, it just shut down out of nowhere. And I've had people tell me that they're having weird things happening with their electronics. We know Cyber Polygon is something they've been talking about. So I'm just telling you, they're trying to figure out. And now you have Joe Rogan starting to get shadow banned on Instagram. You have Andrew Schultz talking about how it's happening to him. And 
Like we said before, the safe dangerous, right? The safe dangerous. Now they're even coming for that. And me and Johnny on my YouTube channel have been playing by the rules. We're fighting a battle. We're yeah. not. We're not doing any conspiracy. You know, they're still coming after us. You know what Schultz got popped for? What? He got popped for his abortion thing, his clip on it, and then he got popped for putting the warning for getting it taken down. When you're basically telling people like these are the rules, follow them. Yeah, you got popped for that. He tried it again, and then I think it's they're just going after him. It's the whole. I think they're just they've they've tried to cancel people, and now they're just like we're losing the information war. We're gonna get rid of the comedians. They're pissed. He made money off of not being on a streaming. Well, he, th listen, oh, yeah. let me tell you something. This is what I happens. Forget about y'all's connection to the comedy world. I'm a huge fan of stand up comedy. So I'm like, I don't see a Sam Tripoli conspiracy guy, but then it's connected to comedy, which I also love. Well, thank you, buddy. And it's just the truth is like this is why rappers get shot all the time. This is why they always get taken out because they they play this game and they're 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 pushed through the system and then they blow up. And they don't want to do it anymore. And they're like, dude, we're not going to blow you up to let you just walk out. And now now these guys have been do playing. Like, do you ever hear that, like, Louis C.K., Prince, Michael Jackson, they all went off reservation. Dave Chappelle. And Dave Chappelle. And they don't like that. They don't like when they blow you up. And then you try. Then they take you out. Dave That's Chappelle, how they do. Dave Chappelle's doing okay. We'll see. No, but the cancel the the attempt to cancel it cancel oh, gotcha, everybody. Gotcha. I thought you were talking about some that. some they off some they just try to cancel. So that's why Joe Rogan's got like ninety Navy SEALs around him at all times. Because <laughs> he's like, dude, he's at a high fucking perch, bro. You know, and they don't like when you go off. He's, he's the one guy built to handle that too. You know, there aren't many people who could maintain their sanity. Well, I mean, if you're what you're gonna send somebody to take him out, good luck taking out. Hand-to-hand -hand combat Joe yeah. Rogan. Yeah, you know what I mean? They're like He's he's a pretty durable guy, it seems like. A lot of people couldn't handle that that level of Well, no, he's fame. incredibly intellect. But the point is that even that guy who, you know, it's like like a lot of people like gave him shit because he didn't want to have Trump on. That's the smartest shit ever. Oh, He knows yeah. how to play it. Yeah, well, you even told me that, you know, off air before. You were like, dude, I, I mean, having Trump on would be a risk for him. You yeah, know? It's like, it would. It would it's yeah. A, now as entertaining as that would be, it would probably be not a best idea. Yeah, but now he's gave that. He he takes a bullet out of their chamber. Now they can't give him shit it's for smart, it. Yeah. Well, I, I thought it was scary when he had uh, Bernie on, Sanders. I yeah. thought it was a little sketchy. I was like, whoa, you're, you're, you're. Well, that's when they, we start, they started to realize that Rogan was a little more powerful than they had thought. And that's when he started going, no, I'm not going to have Elizabeth Hurley on. Or not Elizabeth uh, yeah, Elizabeth Hurley would be great. I'd yeah, love I would it. be like, what's it like <laughs> to know that your husband was banging crackheads? But um, to have uh, Elizabeth Warren on, and he wouldn't put her on. And they got pissed. And that's when things started happening. And again, you know my opinion. They, they took out all, uh, they went mob style and tried to, canceling all of his, uh, his, uh, mm. His soldiers. You got to show you're willing to bend over either forwards or backwards. But and he plays there. the game really well, and that's why I love him, man. But it's like, I just think they're getting to a place where even if you play the game, now they, they're even pissed that you could be some kind of a threat if they can't control you. Like, look at what they did forever. They controlled the narrative. All their narratives are dead. All of them. Yeah. And people are waking up to it because they're not afraid. Jeff, great What's podcast, up, bud. Big time. <laughs> That's great. Thank no, you. So what, yeah. do you, what do you guys think of the material, dude? Uh, 
Well, I mean, uh, Johnny was rock hard. He's a nerd dork, so he was loving it. I yeah, I love this f- desk is in front of me. That's all. I'll What's say. that? You're lucky this desk is in front of me. That's all. Well, <laughs> I loved you the first time you came on my show, so I loved that conversation. And this, I appreciate was, that, man. That was e- this was even better. And I, I just think this is another piece to the puzzle that clicks where they've been lying to us about us, who we are, what we do, how special we are, and. I think I I I totally believe that we were once very advanced, and that these these dark entities that are trapped down here between this war this war between light and dark um, have been waging a war against humanity, and um, people are waking up to it. This is great. Like I always, ever since I was a little kid, I was like, "You're telling me this guy made all these people build this shit, so when he's dead, yeah." No. That's the logic between all that, and you sit there and believe it because that's what everybody says. That's what the book says. There, like he's right. There has to be. I don't know if it's this, but it definitely wasn't that. Yeah, and, and this when, has makes sense. Yeah, and when you go by graveyards, you see somebody with like the biggest tombstone, like it's like a statue. You're like, you're a real asshole, man. Like <laughs> to take up that much space when you're dead. So it's like, I don't know. It's super interesting, man. I enjoyed it, Johnny. Your thoughts. I, I I find this fascinating. I love this kind of thing. Yeah, it's, especially when it when it. When you hear a theory like this and it helps you assimilate other information, you know, a little better, you know, like our thoughts about how the pyramids seem like they weren't meant for people to walk into, you know, that idea. And this, I mean, this makes it all make sense. They're also, you know, they're all like descending, you know, which, which just the shapes of them make sense for, you know, something that was not meant for people to travel down. Uh, oh yeah, yeah. So I, totally, and I, I love it. And I have a ton of very, very in-depth material on my YouTube channel. So it's the Land of Chem, C H E M, on YouTube, and I have in-depth explanations of exactly how all these structures operated, etc. And so what I've tried to do is just paint a more practical picture of what these structures were really used for. And I worked with a gentleman that has a PhD in chemical engineering and is a master's level university professor in chemical engineering. And before I ever published this book, I presented him the material and I said, take this apart bit by bit and make me work for it. And he had me explain every single little aspect of my theory and literally shredded it all apart. And I built it back step by step. At the end of the day, he is now in the introduction and forward to my book because he believed in this theory so much. And I've gotten tons of feedback from people that work in physics and chemical engineering and construction. They've all been very, very supportive of this theory because it's again based in legitimate physics and chemistry where all of these other alternative theories about the Egyptian pyramids are just pure speculation. There is no actual science in the theories. But if you look at the way I presented this, it's all very academically based, but I just presented in a fictional story because I want it to be fun and entertaining for people. A little sugar helps the mess and go down, brother. And I Very have true. zero problems with it. And I loved loved having you on. And someday I want to bring my kids around the world and show them uh, cool things like this. So uh, well, open open invite to you and all the boys. Um, so I'm going in September and we're also planning another trip for next year. So, gentlemen, open invite. If you guys want to come explore some pyramids, um, hit me up on Instagram. My IG is also the Land of Chem, C-H-E-M. So, quick plugs, of course, YouTube channel, the Land of Chem. My website is thelandofchem.com. Of course, I got brand new merch, et cetera, et cetera, copies of the book. I would love if you guys subscribe and help support the channel. Sam, thank you so much, dude. It means the world to me that you've had me on a couple of times. 
And uh, I'm just stoked that you guys like this stuff. Yeah, well, we appreciate you coming on. He is the shredded Jeffrey Drum. <laughs> he works out. He goes deep. And we appreciate coming on. Uh, please check all the links below in the description to follow him, support him, and check out all of his other stuff he's got going on. Again, going to be in San Francisco. Come get weird with us. Eddie Bravo XG. It's going hard in the paint. Young Christian Warriors. Let's get it going. Uh, I love you guys very much. I hope you enjoyed the show. I know I enjoyed it. And uh, we will talk to you soon. Take care, everybody. We go deep, homeboy. Aaron. This is only the beginning. Dude, you just blew my mind. Tim foil hack. Tim foil hack.